Welcome to the audio podcast of the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and in our recently renovated sanctuary. During the summer months from July 4th weekend through Labor Day weekend, our worship will be live Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Truly, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all time, so God's praises shall be in my mouth. My soul makes a boast in the Lord. Let the humble be glad and hear what the Lord has shared with me. In today's homily entitled, Let go and press on, a message on transition. You may have heard of the brilliant, wonderful German bohemian novelist and short story writer, Franz Kafka. He was widely known in the 20th century of his mastery of bringing together the surreal, and the mundane, fusing elements of realism with fantasy. However, Kafka found at age 40 that what he was able to do in his work, he struggled in making a way for that in his life. One day, walking in a Berlin park, 40 years old, bemoaning the fact that he was so much unlike those of his peers. Men in their 40s were married. Men at 40 had children. And while caught in the solipsism and the solitude of his own solemnness. He hears a voice crying out in the park. And in search of the person, he finds a little girl. And he's asking her, what is troubling you so? And she says, sir, I have lost my favorite dog and I cannot seem to find her anywhere. He hurriedly is distracted from his own worries and helps her find a way to find her dog. And after much time has passed, they found themselves unsuccessful. Kafka tells her, it's getting late go home. Not only will I continue to search, but meet me here tomorrow. Surely we'll be certain to find her. She does as he told her. And they meet the next day in the Berlin Park. And there was no doll. But Kafka instead gave 
her a letter written by the doll saying, please don't cry or search for me. I took a trip to see the world and I am going to write you all about my adventures. Thus began a story which continued until the end of Kafka's life. During their many meetings, Kafka read letters of the doll carefully written by her with adventures and conversations that the girl not only found irresistible, but life-giving. Finally, Kafka brought back the doll. Spoiler alert, he bought one. He meets with the girl, gives her the doll. And of course, to her surprise, she says, but she doesn't look like my doll at all. Then Kafka hands her another letter in which the doll wrote, fret not. My travels have changed me. To which the girl shrieked, hugged her doll, and hurried back home happily. A year later, Kafka died. Decades later, that doll, even more changed by her hugs, her travels, and adventures with her friend. Tattered and broken open, the now adult girl looks at her broken doll, but peers inside and sees inside her. In the midst of the brokenness is a little letter. In the tiny letter signed by Kafka, it was written, everything you love will probably be lost. But in the end, love will return in another way. Much like the girl in this story, the reality of a life truly and fully lived is marked by knowing what it means to experience the loss of time, things, and even people, either temporarily and permanently. Even more, her story is equally illustrative of that deep-seated yearning for most of us to only recover and reclaim what was once lost, but have it re-enter our lives with the caveat that it returns to us on our own terms. Yet, as a spiritual free that the scriptural passage from the Hebrew Bible is clear to remind us the prospect of what, when, where, whom, why, and how anything that has been lost is ultimately returned and restored to us is what we must aim.
in new, enlivening ways. A Hebrew Bible text gives us a glimpse of the people to whom the prophet Deutero-Isaiah ministered to at a time when the people of God were reestablishing their identity as a newly free people whose lives had previously been one entrenched in enslavement and servitude as they spent the last 70 years in Babylon. Now, during that season, they struggled to keep their faith strong and their hopes alive. Such is the brokenness and bitterness of spirit that overtakes us when we refuse to keep singing our songs of faith and when we allow our present circumstances to suffocate our dreams and wipe out our visions of hope. Their season of suffering was so onerous and nightmarish to live through. And here it had suddenly come to an end. And instead of leaning into that, celebrating that new freedom, they were at a better future when so much of the recent past had been filled with pain and disappointment in a context wherein it seemed that neither their lives mattered or even their God mattered. The baggage of both the distant as well as the recent past can be a major stumbling block an impediment to the development and implementation of a wholesome and healed vision for the future. The stories of their faith were centuries old. In times of distress and confusion, they encouraged themselves as best they could by retelling familiar narratives of how Moses delivered their ancestors from Egyptian bondage and how they were sustained for 40 years in wilderness wanderings as they struggled to get to the land that flowed with milk and honey. They remembered the war stories of Joshua and how he had left their fathers and mothers in their conquests to conquer and make the land of promise their own place of opportunity and breakthrough. Such were the people that the prophet Deutero-Isaiah ministered to in the words of the text when he declared, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Do not remember those former things. Do not consider the things of old because I, I'm about to do a new thing. And now here in your generation, in your time, it springs forth. But do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers again in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to, tr to drink to my chosen people, the people who I have formed of myself wonderfully, beautifully. You too have been made to declare that praise. So too, 
Testament, we find the Apostle Paul, after having established at the peak of his ministry, the church at Philippi, finds himself a decade later, not at the peak, but in prison. In prison by the empire in Rome. In a letter to the church, Paul tells them, be grateful and be glad. He informs them, even after they send a messenger to give him alms, to give him sustenance, to give him food and support, even that messenger falls on death-dealing times. And Paul says, despite the loss, I write to you with thanks, gratitude for your gifts. And yes, I'm writing to report to you my condition. It's true. I am imprisoned. But Paul not only taught, not only told, but exhorted them like only Paul can to remain faithful in their pursuit of the prize of a high calling. In this context, he puts it this way. Quote, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus, even while imprisoned and in the valley and shadow of certain death. Paul writes about pressing towards a goal and straining forward with the hope that something better lies ahead for him, for them. This is just not biblical antiquity. This point also ties well into the context of the history of when we consider people like Martin Luther King in his letter from Birmingham jail, he reminds us about the fierce urgency of now is not to sit circumspect in our condition, but that we cannot wait to do the good we are called to do. You might also remember Nelson Mandela after being in prison for 27 years he gives encouragement as he walks out of his own jail cell, telling the world to look, live, and walk into their liberation by saying, quote, as I walk out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't let go and leave behind my bitterness and hatred, I'd steal be in prison. And so for you, because I know it was that case for me, questions still remain. Even after Kafka, Deutero Isaiah, Paul in his epistle and letter to Philippi, 
even in light of King's encouraging words. And Nelson Mandela's resilience. The question remains, what does it mean to let go and press? And what realities are created when an individual finds their back against the wall? Not knowing how to move forward without falling. And here, the good news on these bad situations is that it's not by your work alone, but it's by conspiring with the spirit of God to change your situation. I believe the answers therein are as follows. Pressing is the process of determined endurance. The word press here denotes a, a sort of chasing or swift pursuit. The New Revised Standard Version uses the word strain, which means to stretch out for something. And isn't that the case? When we're at our wit's end, that God gives us a second win and it feels as if the momentum of time is setting our race and gravity is giving us grace. The idea of pressing and cultivating an attitude of determined endurance may be the very thing that pushes us to win in the end instead of giving up in a difficult moment. However, pressing is very difficult in moments where everything seems to be against us. For the poor, it seems like that moment when you have more month than you have money. For the overworked, you have more work than ours can afford. For the student, you have more pages than time to read and more prof and, 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 and for the professors, like myself, you have more topics and texts than students can take or the weeks will allow. So then for us who are too pressed, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, the first thing is to forget what is behind you while you're pressing. And the second, to strain forward only with a goal in mind. It is important never to limit ourselves to the deficits of what's pressing on us, especially the deficits of our past or the losses of our conditions. If a runner focuses on previous defeats in the midst of a marathon, the momentum is lost and past failures ensure one's present defeat. But this leads to a second question. In the midst of loss, what's to gain? Now, Paul challenges us to press and strain forward to what lies ahead, just like King and Mandela. 
In other words, we are to concentrate on our present goal instead of our past. We are to find new narratives within broken vessels. The key word in the portion of the verse is forward. It is very hard, again, if we think of the runner, to run forward. If when runners are running forward, they are looking backwards. Looking backwards makes it difficult to stay in your lane, avoid collisions, and even to see the finish line. According to the great African missionary, David Livingston, he put it this way, God puts eyes in front of our heads for a reason. Backward running is perilous. Moonwalking is not built for our earthly conditions. We are made to run forward and press on. Look ahead. Christianity is a forward-looking faith, and Christians are to be forward-looking people. Like Kafka's letters, the Deutero-Isaiah account and Paul's letter to the church of Philippi and King and Nelson's encouragement about the fierce urgency of forward-moving liberation, we too realize this year, for all of us zooming in to see what God has to say to us, you might even call our testament, or at the very least, our epistle, Hindsight 2020. But don't miss its critical insight. And I leave you with seven bits of good news to hold on to as you walk through this valley and shadow of death that we've experienced in this recent year. First, embrace the change. Change is the only thing that makes growth inevitable. Do not forget the words of Pastor Thorne in her previous message where she says, prune your trees because only by pruning can you stimulate new growth. Trimming what's death dealing allows for the new development of fragrant flowers, sweet fruit, and yielding harvest. Second, remember that together we can shift pain into wonder and love, but it's up to us to consciously and intentionally create that connection. And as Matthew 18 and 20 reminds us, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And think about that. Do not count on the majority. Do not fret yourself on the fear tactic of statistics. 
any good thing that has ever been done, whether it was in the gospel or the democracy of our own America has happened because a few good people were unafraid to make good trouble that the minority were always the ones who were willing to bring down heaven to earth when others were only interested in raising hell. Third, love what you have before life teaches you to love what you lost. So many of us think that tight grips ensure that something will be long lasting. I'm here today to tell you that strongholds can become death grips. Are only through investing as bankers will tell us in what's valuable can you yield profit. Only in liberating the oppressed can you be assured of your own freedom? Clutching onto possessions, persons, privileges, or powers only results in our own loss of self-worth, the rising of our certain insecurities, and the ultimacy of our guaranteed irrelevance. Fourth. You never lose by loving, but you always lose by holding back. These words of Barbara DeAngela, DeAngelis are critical to engage. You never lose by lo loving, you always lose by holding back. Indeed, we reap what we sow. However, we must remember that God's gardening much to my own astonishment years ago, is different from ours. Some of us want to harvest exactly where we have planted. But God only guarantees the deliverables, but not their divine destination. So do not be comforted by needing to only love what affirms the mirror reflection of yourself. Diversity, people, isn't deficiency. Diversity is where you'll find the divine. Be mindful that if you are not being blessed by those whom you've blessed, that doesn't mean that God isn't in the blessing business. Look around, look around you for those divine spirit helpers who have kept you lifted. Those frontline essential workers in your own life that you may have rendered invisible. Heed Hebrews 13 and two, and do not neglect to show hospitality to the estranged and strangers. For by doing that, unbeknownst to you, you would have entertained angels without even knowing it. Don't miss where your help comes from.
and fifth. The best way to know God is to love many things. Vincent Van Gogh put it this way. It is, in, it is good to love many things for therein lies the true strength. And whoever loves much, performs much and can accomplish much. And what is done in love is the only thing that is well done at all. Six, sometimes you end up losing yourself trying to hold on to someone who never cared about losing you. So it's important to know when to let go. As my Nana used to say, not all skin folk are kin folk and not all kin folk are kind. So when you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. But don't let anything throw you off the course to which you have been divinely assigned to glorify God and make that which is divine within you manifest so people can see what is beautiful about the world when everything seems so grim and grotesque. And seventh, you can't take hold until you let go. My soul leapt with joy last Pentecost Sunday in hearing Dr. April Stace talk about her hang gliding journey. Surely, the beauty of our confession as Christians requires the leap of faith so the spirit of the Lord can take hold. We need to let go of any weight that conforms us to something that is not of God's divine purpose for us. We need to let go of that which deforms us from believing that in our own embodiment, we were not in fact fearfully and wonderfully made. Only when we can let go of that which weighs down the God within us, can God take hold of us so our flourishing and our true spirit can take flight. So my first church friends, my faith-filled assembly gathered here today, as we move from death dealing violence to visions of justice, as we go from death dealing viruses to vaccines that are giving us hope, as we have emptied churches, but yet find ourselves as overflowing souls streaming by faith, as we go from semesters of learning ending in the test of life. 
as we find ourselves moving from vocational service that is now rooted in living testimonies. I urge you to trust this transition process. Do not see it as a condition of enslavement that makes you a slave. Do not see it as that which is death dealing, making you appear to be a shadow of death. Instead, find the God within you. See within your brother or sister that might not look like you. In the midst of your own crying, hear that other voice that's in the wilderness. Do not forsake the assembly of yourself to others, nor the assembling of yourself, building yourself back better by God's grace, God's gift of new life and new mercy. Take hold by letting go, pressing on and letting God move you. May the words of my mouth become flesh and give you the spirit and the stamina as God gives you the sustenance to see in your press that what God has for you is beyond what you could have ever imagined if you just let go and let God. Blessings and Godspeed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you are fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options, both in-person and online, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time during the summer, from July 4th weekend through Labor Day weekend. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.